Thanks for listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Well, some people love it, some people hate it. Like it or not, though, on Sunday, Daylight Saving Time begins in Utah. So we thought uh, today would be a good time to revisit an episode, very interesting discussion from December of 2014 on this subject. And even though we're on tape uh, today on the program, I'd love to get your comments. We'll get those on during the hour. You can email me to upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. What do you think about daylight saving time? How does it affect you? Would you uh, keep it, change it, abolish it? Upraxcess at gmail.com. Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Benjamin Franklin conceived of it. Winston Churchill campaigned for it. Kaiser Wilhelm first employed it. Woodrow Wilson and Franklin Roosevelt went to war with it. The United States fought an energy crisis with it. What are we talking about? Daylight saving time. The goal, to use daylight to its maximum advantage, is recognized by many to be beneficial, but this deceptively simple idea has been controversial. Proponents have proclaimed daylight saving time's benefits, including saving energy, reducing automobile accidents, providing more daylight for outdoor activities, and many other reasons. Daylight saving time has many detractors, uh, from farmers to parents of school children. They've waged battles against it. So today we're going to talk about this, and we begin with David Perro, a leading expert on the subject, author of Seize the Daylight, the curious and contentious story of daylight saving time. Later in the program, Steve Goodwin will join us. He works in the tourism industry in the Moab area. Uh, in the meantime, we welcome in uh, David Perro. Welcome to the uh, program. Hi, Tom. Happy to be with you. We appreciate you taking the time to uh, be with us. You, uh, you are and have become the go-to expert on this. How did you get into daylight saving time? Well, uh, I was working as a researcher for the U.S. Department of Transportation, and I got involved with what became the largest study ever of the technical effects of daylight saving time, how it affects uh, traffic accidents and energy usage and crime and several other areas. While I was doing that, I got curious about the history of daylight saving time. I found that very few people knew anything about it, so I started researching that. And eventually I found out a very interesting history going way back, as you mentioned, to Benjamin Franklin. And so eventually I put all that information together in my book, Seize the Daylight, and uh, I became a person that some people contact when they need some information about it. <laughs> you hold a doctorate. Uh, you, you work in artificial intelligence, I understand. Yes. Uh, so I wonder, that uh, artificial, that'd be a place to start. Artificial time. Um, you mentioned in the book that uh, it's been a long time since we were on natural time, right? We, we, we've been in artificial time for a long time, even before daylight saving time. Oh, that's right. Daylight saving time is really the third uh, step away from natural time. Natural time would be when the sun is at its maximum, we call that noontime. And that's the way it was for, for thousands of years. And when we started getting uh, mechanical clocks, it turned out that the actual day is not exactly 24 hours. It's a, some days it's a little bit more, some days a little bit less. And so we came up with the concept of mean time. When you think of Greenwich Mean Time, that's what mean time is about. It says we average all the days over the year, and we say that every day is 24 hours, even though it isn't. That's the first step away from real time. Then the second step was in the late 1800s, uh, there were a lot of benefits. It was determined to have uh, time zones because every 
up to then, every town had its own uh, time. And so we put in time zones, and that was a second step away from natural time. And then, uh, starting around World War One is when we put in daylight saving time. Uh, so um, uh, let's uh, let's talk about uh, Benjamin Franklin. It seemed like he was first up with so many things. Uh, he, he wrote a funny, I guess it would be a letter to the newspaper in, when he was in Paris. Tell us about that. That's right. He was our ambassador to France, and uh, he was 78 years old um, in 1784. And uh, he wrote a letter saying that one day he was awakened early, and he saw the sun shining through his window. And normally he would sleep late because he went to, as an ambassador, went to all these diplomatic parties that lasted into the night, and he'd sleep till noon. But this one day he woke up early and he saw the sun shining in his window, and he realized that he was lighting his house with expensive candles in the evening, and if he had just woken up earlier, he'd be able to light his house for free with the light of the sun. And so he had the idea that if people woke up close to the sunrise they'd be able to make better use of daylight. So that was his uh, concept, sort of the basic concept behind daylight saving time. But he didn't have any real mechanism to do it. He never thought of changing the clocks. He just thought of some uh, humorous methods, such as having a tax on shutters and uh, having a cannon going off every morning at sunrise to wake everyone up, <laughs> right. none of which ever got uh, implemented. Yeah, I, I guess if you, you could wake people up, that would be the equivalent. Uh, yeah. Really, yeah. Uh, tell me about William Willett. Is it Willett or Willett? Willett. W- Willett. William Willett was a, uh, a an English uh, architect and builder in the early 1900s, and he used to wake up every morning. He lived in a suburb of London, and he'd wake up every morning um, and at, at around dawn, and he'd go on an early morning horseback ride around his area before he went into work into, in London. And as he's uh, going around on a beautiful spring and summer morning, he realized that nobody else was up. Everyone was sleeping through this beautiful time of day. And uh, at the same time, when they got home from work, uh, it would get dark after a little while, and so they wouldn't be able to be outdoors in the evening. So one day he had this idea that if we uh, would move the clocks forward, everyone could get up at the same time that they normally did, but they'd actually be getting up an hour closer to sunrise, and making use of that uh, wasted uh, daylight. And so he proposed it to Parliament. In uh, He came up with the idea in 1905. He proposed it in 1908 to Parliament, uh, but Parliament rejected it, and he rejected it again in 1909 and 1910, 1911, 1912, every year. And then in 1915 he died, and people thought that would be the end of his idea of daylight saving time. But uh, the Germans had heard of his idea, as most people around Europe had. And in the middle of World War I, they realized that by using daylight saving time, they could save energy for the war effort. So the Germans actually were the first people to put in daylight saving time uh, in 1916. Once they did that, the British Parliament, having rejected it for eight years, uh, put it in one month later, because now their major enemy was using this idea, which really came from from Britain. And so uh, in World War One, every almost every country on both sides of the war utilized daylight saving time, including the U.S. Uh, when we got involved with World War One, what were, what were some of the arguments, pro and con, uh, when this was originally presented? Um, I, I think there were some scientists who said this, this would mess with our biological clocks, it would be unhealthy for us. 
Yeah, so a lot of, well, first of all, they had just come up with the time zone idea uh, not that much earlier, 10 or 20 years earlier. And people said, well, now we have sort of a standard around the world. Why should we start fooling around with the standard? So there was that that kind of feeling. Um, and, uh, however, the uh, the suggestion was that, it was, well, Willett's idea was more that we were wasting time, wasting beautiful daylight and having to go into, uh, you know, having the sun set uh, earlier at night uh, and so not having the time at night and sleeping through the daylight. But the other side of it was the saving of energy, and that's what became the impetus in World War One. And it turned out that studies showed in, in World War One that all the country saved energy. Another benefit in the wars was that in those days people would have victory gardens uh, to they would grow uh, small plots of uh, vegetables and uh, food uh, in the, in their home near the, in their home uh, yard that would contribute to the war effort, and people were able to do that more when they got home from work because there'd be an hour extra of, of daylight. So mm. those were the emphasis that, that put it in originally. Mm. Now, Willett's idea was interesting. Uh, he wasn't proposing an exact hour, was he? And, and, and he wanted to phase this in gradually, I think uh, moving the clock 20 minutes over successive Sundays until you got to where you wanted to be. Right. He uh, he thought the uh, the change of an hour might be too strong, and he would rather do it. In, he actually originally proposed four steps of twenty minutes, and it's an hour and twenty minutes uh, through a month in the spring, and then an hour, and then four steps back in the in the fall. However, once uh, Palmer started discussing it, uh, a lot of people realized that that would cause a lot of disruption four times rather than once, such as the trains would have to change their schedules eight times a year instead of twice. And so because of that, it was quickly within a year or two changed uh, to one one hour in the spring and one hour back in the fall. Hmm. Uh, so nations tended at first to go to this for wartime or for energy savings. What was the impetus to, to make it permanent? Well, it, it, each country uh, treated it differently. In Britain, they've had it co- continuously since World War One, and they've never gotten off it. But most countries thought of it as a wartime measure. And in the U.S., uh, it was thought about as a wartime measure in World War One and also in World War Two. It was put in there for the same reasons uh, less than a month after Pearl Harbor. Uh, we put in daylight same time again to save energy for World War Two. Uh, but when both wars ended, the most of the people uh, felt it was a wartime measure, and it was particularly unpopular in rural areas because farmers uh, had to follow the the sun independent of whatever the clock said. And so when the clock changed and the sun didn't change, they would be an hour out of sync with everybody else. So there was a lot of resistance from uh, farmers. And so after both wars, in the U.S. anyway, it was changed back uh, to a standard time. But what happened was that in World War I, and especially in World War II, a lot of places around the country that had it liked it. And so even though it wasn't national, uh, they started putting it in individually. So you would have certain states had daylight saving time, certain cities had daylight saving time, and it was city by city, town by town. 
and each town could decide when it started and when it ended. So it got to be, after a while, a very uh, chaotic situation where one town would have standard time, the next neighboring town would have daylight time, and the third town would have daylight time but starting and ending at different dates. Hmm. So what happened was it, uh, that happened through the 50s and 60s. And in 1966, the government passed a law that said that no state had to have daylight saving time, but if it did, it had to be statewide and had to start and end at the dates that the federal government would set. So everyone would have a uniform starting and ending date. And that's mm-hmm. basically the law that we have today. And this is illustrated. You have a, uh, <laughs> you have a, st- a story in your book, an illustration of a, of a trip. If you were to start, I think, in Kentucky, go through Indiana and end up in Illinois, um, I think you know yeah, what I'm talking a, about. Tell me about that. Yeah, there was a bus ride you could take. Which actually was from Moundsville, West Virginia, to Steubenville, Ohio, and it was only 35 miles. I think it's not very far. 35 miles, and if you wanted to keep your watch correct as the bus stopped at all the stops along the 35 mile ride, you would have to change your watch seven times in 35 miles. Wow. So that became a, a, a nationally known uh, situation. Another situation that happened in those in that era in the 1960s was that there was a sh- short time period where Minneapolis and St. Paul had different times, even though, of course, they're the twin cities. Uh, one went on daylight saving time, the other didn't. So <laughs> that was the impetus. Uh, uh, Iowa, one year, had 28 different starting and ending dates of daylight saving time uh, in different towns around that. The state. So uh, that was the impetus in 1966 for the Uniform Time Act. And and I believe, if I'm recalling this correctly, in St. Paul, was it uh, the police department was on a different time than the fire department, at least briefly? Yes. Well, they, they all had to decide what they were going to do. And St. Paul had an unusual situation because the state was on standard time, but the city was on daylight time, and St. Paul was the capital of the state. So a lot of the federal, I mean, a lot of the state buildings were following one time, and a lot of the uh, and a lot of the local the other buildings were following other times, and so it got to be very confusing. And there's a story that one uh, uh, one policeman used to have one uh, one watch on on one hand and a different watch on the other hand <laughs> with two different times, and they wow. had problems in th- little things like enforcing when uh, parking was legal and when it wasn't legal, because there'd be a sign that would say, you know, no parking, 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. or something. And, uh, you know, which time, which time were you using? So it got to be very confusing. There. So there's some value to uniform time, but that yes. that becomes problematic. Uh, for example, and you give an example of this in the book, uh, poor Indiana, the time zone kept creeping, and and I think to this day the, the state is split in between time zone, right? Right. For there are several states, as you know, that are in uh, multiple time zones, and um, Indiana had had a different problem though, because Indiana decided mo- mo- almost all those states, other than Indiana, were either were on daylight saving time in both parts of the state, but in Indiana, they had for many years the central time of the part of the state was on daylight time because a lot of that was the suburbs of Chicago, and they wanted to be in the same time as Chicago. But the eastern time zone part of Indiana uh, was mostly rural people, and they wanted to be on standard time year-round, and so they were. However, part of that uh, 
section of Indiana was also suburbs of Cincinnati. And Cincinnati, of course, was in Ohio, and so they was on a different. They were on daylight time. So the suburbs of Indiana uh, went on their own little. Uh, the suburbs of Cincinnati went on their own little daylight saving time area within the standard time area of, of, of Indiana. So it got to be very confusing. So eventually, 2006, Indiana decided to go on to um, uh, daylight saving time in, in, throughout the whole state. A lot of the businesses found that they were losing uh, money, uh, was hurting them, because part, people in other parts of the country didn't know what time it was in Indiana. So they would call, make a business call or something, and the and their business would be closed. And so they felt that that was a negative enough that they pushed through a bill in 2006 to make Indiana all daylight time on both sides. If you just joined us, we're talking about daylight saving time. Interestingly, Mr. Perrault, um, some 15% uh, said, uh, let's just stay on daylight saving time all year. Do we have places that have that sentiment? I know I read about a place in Canada you talked about in the book where they have double daylight saving time. Well, they had it one one year. Oh, one uh, year. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they had a time when they jumped two hours. They changed their clocks by two hours instead of one. That was in Newfoundland. And uh, they liked it until it got to be uh, – until and until it got to be September and kids went to school and they found that it was very dark in the mornings uh, when they had it uh, what two hours advance and so they they got rid of that but uh, there's no place that has uh, daylight time uh, year round in fact it, it's you, you can't do that under the current law oh uh, cur- the current law allows law. you to okay. either have daylight saving time or not okay it's not yeah. being standard time. Now you could, of course, change the law. And uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we have several comments from listeners. Uh, Jake and Hiram, uh, Kylie and Moab, David in uh, Cache Valley. We'll get to those uh, comments, and we would uh, love to get your comment. What What are your thoughts on daylight saving time? We spring forward and we fall back. We've done that for quite some time. Our neighbor Arizona doesn't do that. They took themselves off the daylight saving time. And there are this kind of a movement in western states. Colorado has a potential uh, a proposal, at least floating around there, to go on daylight saving time full year-round. Our guest just told us that they'd have to get the law changed nationally, I guess, to do that. Uh, changes uh, potential in uh, western states and here in Utah as well. Uh, later in the program, we'll be joined by Steve Goodwin, who works in the tourism industry in the Moab area. Hopefully you as well. You can join us uh, to upraxis at gmail.com, upraxis at gmail.com. We're on Facebook and on Twitter. You can find us at Utah Public Radio. More following the break. This is Management Minute by Professor Scott Hammond. A business leader frustrated with his organization's inability to do quality improvement recently called me and invited me to consult. Are you a specialist in our industry, was his first question. No, I said. Then how can you help, he asked. I said this, because in your workforce of 120 employees, you have 120 specialists in their area. They need better communication, better trust, and confidence that they can solve problems. I can help with that, and then I will leave. Consultants come and go. Employees stay and build up often untapped expertise that is the wellspring of excellence. 
The Management Minute is brought to you by our members and the USU Shingo MBA program at the John M. Huntsman School of Business, a 15-month graduate degree for executives giving knowledge and skills to leverage the principles and tools of lean continuous improvement. Huntsman.usu.edu. You're listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. We are uh, revisiting an episode from December of 2014, an interesting discussion on daylight saving time. It affects us all, of course, and uh, we thought this would be a good time to revisit this because on Sunday, like it or not, whether you support or don't, daylight saving time will be going to daylight saving time uh, as of early Sunday morning. We'll be springing forward, and you'll be hearing some comments uh, coming up uh, from our original program. Love to get your comment if, uh, if you have uh, comments right now. And we'll get those on during the hour. UPRAccess at gmail.com. UPRAccess at gmail.com. How does daylight saving time affect you? I have a friend who says it knocks him for a loop, springing forward and falling back uh, for about a month, and every year he gets sick. That's uh, one example. Some people love it, of course. i uh, love to get your comment. UPRAccess at gmail.com. You, at uh, gmail.com, yes. Daylight saving time is a deceptively simple idea. The idea is uh, let's use daylight to its maximum advantage. Most of us are not, at least in the summertime, awake uh, to uh, fully take advantage of uh, daylight, so let's uh, let's shift that daylight to the evening when we can take advantage of it. It has been controversial, continues to be controversial, and right now we're talking with David Prerow, who is author of Seize the Daylight, the Curious and Contentious Story of Daylight Saving Time. And later in the program, Steve Goodwin will join us. He works in the tourism industry in the Moab uh, area. Uh, before we get to a couple of um, responses from our listeners, Mr. Prerow, what if you tell us the story? There are some life and death consequences to to this this artificial construct of time and differing times in different areas. What if you tell us the story about the would be Palestinian terrorists? Oh yes, uh, this uh, was in 1999. There was some Palestinian uh, living in, in Israel who in, imported uh, time bombs. Their idea was to put them on. Uh, Intercity buses, and one uh, they would go out and two, a pair of uh, two uh, terrorists. One would put one would get on a bus with a bag that had a bomb in it, ride the bus for a stop or two, and then get off, leaving the bag on the bus. And then the bus, the uh, bag would be timed to explode while the uh, while the bus going went go, kept going, and the terrorists would get off and be picked up in the car by by his Patria. Anyway, they in, in, they uh, they uh, in, imported some bombs from uh, the Palestinian territories, and at that time, Israel had gone off daylight saving time, but the Palestinian territories were still on daylight saving time. And so, what happened was the the times on the the times on the time bomb were an hour off from what the terrorists thought, and so instead of uh, getting on the buses and exploding on the buses. They exploded in the cars and killing the terrorists. Hmm. Well, just yeah, that that one hour, in this case, that life and life and death. big difference. Yeah. They were on their way to plant the bombs, yeah. and uh, instead the bombs exploded. 
Uh, let's uh, let's get to our uh, listener responses. This is an email. Our first email here from David in uh, Logan is interested, Mr. Perra, more in you than the subject. He says, I'm trying to nail down your guest's accent. I say he's from Lo- somewhere in Long Island. That's his guess. That's pretty close. I'm from, actually, Brooklyn, New York. Okay. And, uh, I live now in uh, the Boston area. I came up here for grad school and stayed. Uh, but, yes, I'm originally from New York, and even though I've been away from it a long time, I can't shake some of the accent. <laughs> All right. It was, so I am on the uh, – I really am – Pretty close to where he thought I was. All right. Well, well, you were pretty close, David. Uh, now to the subject. Kylie in Moab says uh, has a couple of comments. Uh, she says, uh, I say get rid of it. It's talking about daylight saving time. I really do not like having my time, my life being manipulated in this way. And I, I'm, I'm sure that's uh, that's what a lot of people say. Well, that's, if you got murder. rid of it, you would be on uh, the uh, mountain time zone, and that's also uh, artificial. Yeah. In fact, what the mountain time zone, the way the uh, time zones happen to be, you're really using the time that it should be in Denver throughout the whole mountain time zone. So you could say that's artificial as well. Uh, but the the idea is it's, it's, it's a choice of having one artificial time or another. And uh, if you think that the benefits of having an extra hour of daylight in the evening uh, all summer long uh, is worth uh, the inconvenience of the change uh, in the spring and the fall, then then you do it. And most people, when when they think about it uh, and think of all the, the ramifications, most people think that that inconvenience in, uh, of changing the clocks is worth having an extra hour for eight months of the year. Hmm. And uh, then Kylie uh, wrote back in to our email, which is, by the way, uh, upraxis at gmail.com, upraxis at gmail.com. We hope to have your comment as well. This is what Kylie says. I like the idea of saving energy, and I would like one time, not shifting time. So it sounds like uh, perhaps she would be in favor, if Congress would, would change the law and allow it, of, of just staying on maybe daylight saving time the whole well, year. Well, pro- that's, that's been proposed, and th- that, that does have the benefit of that you would save energy in the winter as well as the summer. But the problem is that when you have uh, daylight saving time in the winter, you have very late uh, sunrises in in the morning in uh, the darkest months of the year, January and February. You would have, I think, uh, like a sunrise. I think I looked up in Salt Lake City, you'd have a sunrise of 9 a.m. Uh, so most people would have to uh, wake up in the pitch dark, go to work, in the dark, which a lot of people don't like to do. And very important, a lot of people don't like to send their kids to school in the dark. Uh, And so uh, daylight saving time is sort of a way to get the benefits of daylight in the evening for most of the year, but in the darkest months of the year. Uh, don't make it too dark in the morning. Mm. So that's that's a compromise and that daylight saving time is. It looks like from this survey that was commissioned in Utah by the legislature, the, the, it looks like the, the number one reason people say that they want to get off daylight saving time is that inconvenience of, of springing forward and falling back. Uh, a lot of people, sounds like, are tired of doing that. Yes, well, that that is true. It's a, it's, it's definitely a negative, especially, of course, in the in March, uh, when you lose a uh, an hour of sleep, a lot of people don't uh, enjoy that. It's it's not very pleasant, and it okay. sometimes uh, causes people a day or two 
of inconvenience. But of course, it's no different than going from L.A. to Salt Lake City. You lose an hour there, and you know, businessmen and travelers do that all the time. Uh, but uh, you have to think about if that hour of loss for the and the day or two of maybe having uh, having a your sleep interrupted is worth having an extra hour of daylight for eight months of the year from mid-March to the end of October. Every day for those eight months, you have an extra hour to do things. Plus, there are all these other specific benefits, saving energy, um, reducing traffic accidents, uh, public health benefits. A lot of countries like the public health benefits of daylight saving time. It gets people out more in the evening, and so instead of sitting home watching TV, they're out uh, doing some outdoor activity. Uh, there's a thought of a crime benefit. So you have to weigh the benefits with the, uh, with the inconvenience. We're talking about daylight saving time, and uh, we have with us David Prerow, author of Seize the Daylight. This is a history of daylight saving time. Uh, so, Mr. Prerow, the, the, the fact that this is a hot topic, I, I think probably would not surprise you. This, this has been controversial uh, all along its history, I think, daylight saving time. That is correct. From the very uh, beginning, it, ha- it has been. Um, and in all countries, it's, a, it's a, in use in 70 countries around the world, and in some of them it's, a, it's an issue. Uh, mm. Many of them, are, however, are, you know, it seems to be a settled are, are you surprised by this current movement? Uh, it's, it seems like it's been pretty steady for a while. And now Utah, possibly uh, Idaho. There's there's talk in uh, you know of a uh, petition going around in Colorado. Are you surprised by the current movement? Well, there? I think there's always been uh, some groups of people that ha- that haven't liked daylight saving time. Often, what we found when we've done uh, you know more uh, more standard kind of surveys. Uh, is that uh, the people that are against it are a little stronger in their attitude. The people that are for it like it, but it's not their major uh, concern. And so you don't get a lot of a response from the people that, that are for it. It's, it's sort of a, the benefit is sort of spread out for the people that are for it. You know, as I said, eight months every, every uh, day. Um, but yes, it's, it's controversial. Now, one of the other things that is generally true around the world is uniformity is uh, a big issue. And so when you start to, uh, and that's in fact what happened in, in Indiana. Indiana had standard time year-round for many years, and they found it was hurting their businesses and uh, hurting them, and so they wound up going on standard time mostly to be uniform. And when the U.S. extended daylight saving time, uh, 2007, each province of Canada, which had a indiv- which individually could decide whether it wanted to do it, each province went on the same extension, not because necessarily it was best for them, but to stay uniform with the uh, with the U.S. So, when you start to have uh, changes, uh, one of the things you have to consider is any negative effects of uniformity of of a different. Uh, time uh, than everyone else in the country. Let's get to a couple of comments here. 
Um, and we're going to bring on Steve Goodwin here uh, momentarily as well. He works in the tourism industry in the in the Moab area. Uh, let's get these uh, comments. This is from Jake in Hiram. He says he doesn't need an extra hour of daylight at 4.30 a.m., but he does need an extra hour of daylight at 9 p.m. Mr. Perro, that and that's, I guess... That, that is really the crux of the daylight saving time benefit for most people, is that everyone in the summer and uh, sleeps through, or I shouldn't everyone, but most people sleep through sunrise. Nobody sleeps through sunset. So uh, if you can move sunset back an hour, and the cost is moving sunrise back an hour, that to most people is a very good bargain. Uh, in addition, of course, I should emphasize that there are these other benefits, saving of energy, redu- reduction of traffic accidents and fatalities, cutting of crime. Um, so there are those kind of benefits. But uh, for most people, the average person, the benefit is that they have an extra hour in the uh, spring and summer and early fall to uh, get outside. Here's a comment from Steve in Beaver Dam, Arizona. He says, as far as I know, I live in the only corner on the planet where three time zones collide. Seven miles north, the state of Utah is on Rocky Mountain time. Eight miles west, state of Nevada is on Pacific time. And here in Beaver Dam, we're on Arizona time. For about five months of the year, we comport with the nearby city of St. George and are an hour ahead of the nearer town of Mesquite, Nevada. And for the other seven months, we're congruent with Mesquite, but an hour behind St. George. Confused yet, he says, well, I often am, and I've been living here for years. In this little corner, I can feel a little like uh, the laws of physics have been suspended. Personally, I would love nothing more than to see Utah abolish daylight saving time. That's a, yeah, it sounds like he lives in a very confusing area. Yes, that, well, that, living near a time zone border is often uh, very inconvenient, and I should say, if Utah goes on uh, standard time year-round, it's going to create new time zone borders for the people right now that don't have that problem, the people that are bordering uh, Colorado and Wyoming, for example. Um, So that's, for those people, probably a negative, that they're going to have uh, uh, a problem that they never had before. The other thing, uh, the other issue is that Having a different time zone is different from having a different uh, time zone part of the year, and that makes it even more confusing to lots of people that uh, you would be in one time like this uh, gentleman who wrote, who sent that in. Uh, obviously, is is in a, is in a very confusing area, but uh, you have to think about if uh, changing your time is going to just expand that problem. You're listening to Access Utah. We're talking uh, on the program today with David Prerau. He's author of Seize the Daylight, the curious and contentious story of daylight saving time. Uh, Following break, we'll be adding uh, Steve Goodwin, who works in the tourism industry in the Moab area. You're welcome to uh, get your comment to us. We do have a comment we'll read following the break. Uh, to upraxis at gmail.com, upraxis at gmail.com. I'm curious to know how daylight saving time affects you. Of course, we're springing forward this Sunday. Uh, and should we keep it? Should we change it? Should we abolish it? What are your feelings? Upraxis at gmail.com. More following the break. 
programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and the Utah State University Alumni Association. Funding student scholarships at USU with Aggie license plates. More information at alumni.usu.edu. And by Dr. Deb Cupel, helping to empower individuals, families, and couples in everyday challenges, including health and sport-related issues. Details at sweetgrasscounseling.com. Well, some people love it, some people hate it, like it or not, on Sunday, Daylight Saving Time begins in Utah. And today we revisit an episode from December of 2014, but we'd love your current comments. Um, and uh, we're encouraging you to get those to me. Uh, we'll get the episodes on during the hour. Upraxis at gmail.com. Upraxis at gmail.com. Uh, here's a comment from Kathleen. She says, I love daylight savings time, and I'm an outdoor person, so every bit of ability to be outside in nature, getting exercise, I'm all for it. The loss of light after work in winter can be great for those TV watchers, but for uh, uh, us bicyclists and walkers, it can be depressing. Light is good for the soul. Playing outside is good for the soul. Thanks for the excellent guest researcher. That's a comment from Kathleen in Springdale. Keep those coming. Love to know how uh, you feel about daylight saving time. Upraxis at gmail.com is the way to get those uh, to us. We'll get those on during the hour. We're bringing in uh, now Steve Goodwin from uh, Moab. Steve, welcome to the program. Good morning. Appreciate you being on with us. Uh, you work in the tourism industry, I believe. I do. Down there. here in Moab for the past seven years. Uh, also on the radio at uh, KZMU. Yeah, I have a, a show I do uh, bi-monthly uh, on Tuesdays. Yeah, uh, so it, it's good to have you on. Uh, let's bring in, uh, before we, we jump in, let's bring in Howard from Smithfield, who has called in. Howard, uh, glad you called. Welcome to the program. Does anyone know what time, let's say, at the longest day of the year, if we don't change it, what time is the sun coming up in North Utah, roughly? Just curious. Uh, I think it's uh, the, uh, uh, Jake and Hiram. I think he talked about 430 yeah, that's pretty early, but I can handle it. Um, and, you know, it's going down now with daylight savings time. It was like 945 on the longest day. I mean, yeah. you know, that's like that's late. I mean, look, 60% are on the same page. You guys earn your pay. <laughs> you know, change it. <laughs> okay, you're in favor of doing this. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah look, it, and, by the way, this has been one of the most um, – you know, like factually neutral conversations I've heard about a subject as, um, you know, like this. And so, yeah, just leave it standard time. I do business internationally, and it sure would be nice just to not have to be wondering, oh, is it six hours or seven hours Greenwich difference, you know, um, the whole thing. Yeah, it sure seems like it would be better if it just stayed standard time. Uh, you know, 4.30 is kind of early uh, in June, I guess, but... Uh, you know, I could adjust to that. Okay, thanks for that, Howard. Okay, bye. appreciate that. Okay, uh, so uh, Steve, um, you, yeah. you uh, I wonder what your first of all, what's what's your take on this? What uh, what do you think Utah ought to do? Stay on daylight saving time, or or go off it? Well, I think you know we should uh, remain on whatever standards being observed by the majority of the people that surround us. I, if that would create the least amount of confusion if there's one. Uh, time standard and one consensus as to what the correct time is everywhere. Uh, so you're concerned about uh, coordinating with, with our neighbors, avoiding confusion. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's why time standards in general were were established back in the 1800s. Yeah. 
so I, I know that uh, some groups have expressed those same concerns. Uh, you know, ski, ski associations, Chamber of Commerce, uh, they're also concerned about confusing potential people coming in, including tourists, I guess. Well, it being in southern Utah, relatively close to the Arizona border here down in Moab, you know, we get a lot of uh, visitors from around the country and, and internationally. And uh, many people that stop through Moab uh, as part of their trip through the southwest, you know, to visit Grand Canyon or maybe Monument Valley, they pop into Moab and uh, are not quite sure what time it is. And with some folks, you know, booking activities for a specific date and time, and maybe some would have pretty tight itineraries. So if there's a confusion, you know, uh, with uh, a booking for a certain activity, a tour or a trip, whatnot, and uh, there's a there's a mix-up due to time confusion, then they're all confused, inconvenienced, frustrated, and the business is trying to serve them, you know, can suffer some uh, losses as a result. So it, it sounds like you potentially would be in favor of a shift away from daylight saving time if we can get our neighbors to do it with us. Like I say, there, there's 24 hours in a day, no matter how you slice it. Uh, so as long as there is one consensus as to what the correct time is, I'm good with whatever is decided upon, as long as there is a, a general consensus to avoid any confusion. One of the arguments in favor of keeping daylight saving time is that extra hour potentially benefits those who are in the outdoors, right? You can you can keep your groups out later. Golfers, That's true. Golf associations, for example, are concerned about this. Uh, they lose revenue. Well, I suppose uh, that might be an issue down here as well. Uh, our last uh, trip's... Uh, Go out as late as 7 p.m. during the long days of summer, getting back uh, at dusk. And so that can make some pretty long days for us, you know, 12, 14, 15-hour days during the height of the season in, in midsummer during the longest days. So, um, yeah, if uh, standard time were observed, we might not have quite as long a work day at the height of our season down here. But, uh, I, yeah, I get your point. Mm-hmm. Um, here's a comment from uh, Carl in Logan. Uh, he was talking about this survey that the legislature uh, commissioned. Um, he says, was the survey on daylight saving time conducted with scientific methods? Then he goes on to say, was the survey presented to urban groups rather than just rural groups? There are more urbanites in Utah than rural. And uh, earlier, Dr. Prairau, we, we talked about this, right? The uh, in fact, some, some groups may may favor or not daylight saving time disproportionately with other groups. Right, and uh, also it depends when you take the survey. If you take it the day after people lost an hour, they're a little upset about that. If you take it at a time when middle of the summer when they're getting the benefit of that extra hour, they may be more favorable. So you've got to be very careful in the, with these kind of, with these, uh, kind of uh, surveys. Uh, I should mention, by the way, the kind of issue that uh, was mentioned uh, by your other guest about uh, confusing time uh, and losing business is exactly why Indiana did not uh, got off having standard time year-round and went on to daylight saving time because uh, put it in sync with, with uh, almost all the rest of the country and has made it much easier for their businesses to deal with their, mm. their customers. 
Uh, and to, and uh, Carl, to answer your question specifically, my understanding is this survey was not scientific and that it was online and then they presented it to the Utah Rural Summit and to the Farm Bureau. So that's that's a specific answer to your question, as I understand it. Uh, Steve, I wonder, I don't know, does this daylight saving time, does this come up in conversations? Is, is it on the minds of, of people you talk to there in Moab? Not at all, in my experience. Uh, the first I learned that this was even on anybody's uh, radar was uh, when your producer contacted me. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I had no clue this was being discussed uh, seriously by anyone. Yeah, interesting. Um, and, and so I guess at that point you had to sort of think through where, where you were on the issue. Exactly. You know, yeah. and uh, I I really, I don't know, uh, I uh, not knowing... Uh, that much about uh, why this is being considered, I I don't get it personally. Yeah. As long as uh, everybody knows what time it is, it's all good. How that's determined, I guess we'll leave it up to others. And and so this lack of discussion that would include uh, people you, you're taking out on tours as well. They they're not they don't seem uh, to be. The only time it comes up time comes up in discussion is when they're confused coming out of Arizona trying to figure out what time it is. <laughs> okay, I guess it comes up when it when it hits them. Uh, there you go. Uh, here is a uh, comment from Joe. He emails us. He says, I'm rather shocked that 60% of our citizens are adversely affected by changing their clocks twice a year. I'm retired now, and this issue has no effect on me. However, when I was working, I always was sad when we changed the clock back to standard time. By the time I got home, it was too dark to recreate outside. And the issue about being impacted by one-hour movement of the clock, I used to travel regularly to Azerbaijan 11 time zones away. Give me a break that one hour messes up your biological clock. Additionally, I lived in Norway, where the winter has uh, nearly zero daylight, the summer nearly continuous daylight. Humans are adaptable. The legislature needs to find something important to fix, please. There's there's Joe's comment. What do you think, Mr. Prerow? Uh, I, a lot of that is true. One thing I, I should mention, by the way, when we talk about whether we need an extra hour of daylight on the longest day of the year, uh, maybe you don't, but you may need that extra hour of daylight in April, May, and June, and in September and October, uh, because daylight saving time lasts eight months. So whether or not that extra hour of daylight is helping you on the longest day of the year, uh, that might not be the issue. The issue is, are you gaining by having an extra hour of daylight uh, in the evening in April or or in October when uh, it, normally the sun would, would set uh, maybe right when you get home from work and you wouldn't be able to get out hmm. outdoors. So that's another issue to consider. Uh, we're, we just have a couple minutes left. I wonder, Mr. Perrow, if at the end here you could uh, maybe give us the bullet points, you know, the top three reasons to... Uh, to keep daylight saving time, maybe maybe the top reasons uh, that people bring up against it. Okay. To keep daylight saving time, I think you have to think of the technical benefits, which consider which include things like saving energy, reducing traffic accidents and crime, uh, and re- gaining public health. And uh, the other main reason would be the uniformity. It's... Uh, uh, generally considered very important to be uniform with uh, almost all of the rest of the of the country so that people in uh, North Carolina know what time it is in, in Utah and don't get confused. And that's, again, what happened in Indiana. People far away didn't know what time it was there. Um, so it's uniformity and all the benefits. And most people like that extra hour of daylight in the uh, 
after work rather than in, in the morning. The pros would be that you would, uh, of changing to standard time, would be you would save the benefit, you would save having to uh, change your clocks, and you would uh, you would uh, eliminate any uh, negatives you have by losing that hour of sleep in in March. Of course, you do gain that hour of sleep back in uh, October, most or November. Most people don't complain about that, but the one in March where you lose an hour, people don't like, and so you would. Uh, save that. So that I think those would be the the main uh, pros and cons. Uh, so this will likely come up in the Utah legislature. We'll be keeping our eye on this. Representative Lee Perry and Senator Aaron Osmond are going to introduce legislation. Uh, our thanks to Representative Perry, who was able to join us. Uh, and uh, so we thank Steve Goodwin, who works in tourism area in Moab uh, and is on the radio there. Thanks so much for joining us. You're welcome. And uh, thank you to David Perra, author of Seize the Daylight. Very interesting book on this subject. Thanks. Thanks a lot. It's been fun to talk to you. Thanks for listening to Access Utah today. Very interesting topic, and uh, it's hit a nerve, as you've uh, heard there. A lot of people uh, have an opinion on daylight saving time uh, and how it affects us. As you heard uh, there, um, legislation was run in the 2015 uh, session of the uh, Utah legislature. Uh, Representative Lee Perry's uh, House Bill 178 was not successful. And I'm looking uh, this year's legislature. There was a bill, House Bill 65, uh, sponsored by uh, Representative Cox, and uh, I believe that has not been successful either. And you've heard in the program we talked about surveys. The state did commission surveys on on this, uh, so it uh, keeps coming up, and it is, I believe, of uh, great interest. By the way, uh, we did uh, cut. Uh, some content from the episode from December of 2014. You can hear that full episode on our uh, website, upr.org. We'll have a link to that episode as well as today's version as well. Here's a comment that's come in from Carl in Logan. Carl says, I really love daylight savings time. More time for outdoor activities, golf, hiking, projects around the house, and just enjoying the evening. I adjust to the change easily. For those who say it's too disruptive, just go to bed earlier. As for changing the clocks, if that's all you have to worry about, what an easy life you have. We should uh, go to it all year. It is really depressing when it gets dark at 4.30. Go Daylight Savings, says Carl in Logan. Keep those comments coming to upraxis at gmail.com and on our website, upr.org. We're going to close the uh, program today with uh, a couple of uh, commentaries. Um... And uh, this is from Emily Bergen and then Friend Weller, sort of a point-counterpoint on this topic. This is the time of year when I want to throttle Ben Franklin, or at least shake him by the shoulders till his wispy hair flutters and his little bifocals topple from his nose. When he suggested daylight savings, what was he thinking? All right, I know he was thinking a lot. I read his autobiography, well, most of it. But can't I just appreciate him for the Postal Service and his founding fatherism? Must his legacy force 310 million people out of bed in the spring and then plunge them into darkness in the fall? Last year I tried explaining to my first grader all about him, how influential he'd been and how it was his idea to switch the clocks back so we could have more daylight in the summer times. And that's why, and that's why she suddenly had to wake up an hour earlier every day. Spring forward, I said. Her look said it all. What a dumb idea. Of course, I've felt that way for years, ever since I was the child being dragged out of bed. But I've gone along with it. You kind of have to, don't you, since all the school principals do and the bosses and the federal government. But now that I'm a mother, it really hits home. 
After the time change, it takes about two weeks before my kids stop walking around in the morning like the undead. And though switching back to standard time is easy on the alarm clock, it's murder on the children. Suddenly their meal times and bedtimes are pushed back a full hour, which results in near-constant whining. That's why I use a system in the fall that I call old time, new time. When my kids are complaining at 5 p.m., I tell my husband, though it's 5 o'clock new time, it's really 6 o'clock old time. They're just hungry, so we feed them and the whining stops. A couple hours later, when they're rowdy, I say, though it's 7 o'clock new time, it's really 8 o'clock old time. They're just tired, so we put them to bed. I use this system for about a week until the kids have adjusted or until I've gotten confused trying to keep track of the old and new times. My husband doesn't like it, and every time I intone it, he says, no, it's really 7 o'clock. My point, though, is that kids are not as flexible as adults. We've scheduled them to eat and sleep at certain hours, and if anyone switches that up, even Ben Franklin, there will be hell to pay. And who pays for it? The parents. Switching back to standard time in the fall is a beast anyway. It happens right when the earth is turning a seasonal corner and the northern hemisphere is quickly retreating into winter and darkness. In that crucial time between the equinox and the solstice, we're losing minutes of sunshine on both ends of the day. But then to pull away a whole hour at once so that the sun has set before the workday is over? It feels like walking off a moving sidewalk into a brick wall. I'd bet the onset of seasonal affective disorder for many has more to do with falling back than it does just the shortening of days. Now time for my confession. Since I started writing this essay, I've learned through a few clicks of the mouse that Ben Franklin didn't actually propose daylight savings, so I'll hold off the throttling. He merely wrote a funny letter to a Parisian newspaper about rising early to save candles at night. This American myth is probably one of the reasons daylight savings has survived in the U.S. for nearly 100 years. I'm guessing that the original proponents associated his name with it to ensure its success. But there's good news. Daylight savings was first proposed by a New Zealander. So if we were to leave this practice behind, we wouldn't be alienating Ben Franklin after all. Isn't it obvious these time changes have outlived their usefulness? We're all thinking it. Heck, we're even all saying it. I have the same conversations about it every spring and fall. So please, in the words of the old gospel song, I beg our federal government to let daylight savings go. This is Emily Bergen. With the recent crusade to put an end to the observation of daylight saving time, I had a few thoughts. In Logan, we enjoy approximately 16 hours of daylight during the summer months, and in the wintertime, about 9 hours. Daylight saving, or advance time, shifts a perceived extra hour of daylight to the evening. Geographically, our summer sunrise occurs naturally about 4.30 in the morning and sunset about 8.30 in the evening, which is where the rubber meets the road. As far as the metropolitan areas along the western slopes of the Rocky Mountains are concerned, do we really need the day to dawn at 4.30? Wouldn't it be better for the daylight to last a little later in the evening for recreation, agriculture, and so forth? Perhaps we should fix ourselves permanently on daylight saving time. Now, I've heard many arguments from the parents of school-aged children to farmers to businessmen. Here's a few of my thoughts on these matters. I've heard parents voice concern about their children having to go to school in the dark. This is something that the elementary school children never do. The sun might not be high in the sky, but it is certainly not dark at 8 or 9 in the morning during the school year. 
Middle schoolers in my school district go to school in the dark for most of the school year, but this is to meet district busing schedules. If parents are unhappy about this situation, it sounds more like a topic for discussion with your local school board rather than the basis for the reckoning of time for such a vast and varied geographic area. Some might argue that farmers pay no mind to where the sun is in the sky. They work all day long. For the farmer, the time of day becomes a problem when it comes to the commerce side of farming. I don't think the cows themselves worry so much about the time. Others have said that we need to be in alignment with Arizona. Uh, why? Arizona does not observe daylight saving time as they do not need the extra hours of heat. Still, others say Idaho has plenty of light. No need for daylight saving time there either. Well, being further north, the sunrise and sunset times are even more pronounced. Remember, if you go far enough north, the sun stays up 24 hours a day during the summer. Now, if we were to fix ourselves to standard time, as has been proposed, and my employer were to say that I could come into work at 6 in the morning, take lunch at 10 and be out the door by 3 in the afternoon, then I would get the benefit of some daylight to work in the yard or around the house in the afternoon or evening, or perhaps to go do something fun. Trying to stay asleep as the sun is coming up into my windows four hours before I have to be to work, and then having to rush home to get as much done before dark doesn't sound too appealing to me. If we're going to do something concerning the reckoning of time and not spring forward or fall back, then as far as Utah is concerned, a better course of action would be to fix ourselves permanently on daylight saving or mountain advanced time. We get the daylight, but it's of greater benefit to us all. An additional benefit of being fixed to advanced time comes during the winter. At least I wouldn't be leaving for work and leaving for home in the dark. One last observation. I'm perplexed as to why there are fewer complaints when we get that extra hour of sleep in the fall. I'm Fred Weller.